0: Welcome to the Hellraiser Podcast Hello and welcome to episode 34 of the Hellraiser Podcast I'm Peter and with me again is Phil Hello Hello everyone and welcome to you all listening Today we're going to be talking about something not to do with Hellraiser What? Sorry Well, technically, but we can try and make it fit. (laughs) We could do that about anything, couldn't we? That's true. This one's easier than most things, though. Easier than Bambi, for example. Good. Which we'll try and do another time. (laughs) We're talking about Event Horizon, Ah. the film from the year 1997. I remember then. Which a lot of people do actually consider to be a semi-Hellraiser film. They do? Yeah, they do. I've heard people talk about it. It's got a lot of similar ideas and feelings and... Emotions. Exactly. (laughs) Which we're going to get to in a moment. Oh, yeah. Spoiler warning, we're going to spoil Event Horizon. Right, let's do it. Do it. What happened to your eyes? Where we're going. We won't need eyes to see. What are you talking about? I created the Event Horizon to reach the stars. But she's gone much, much farther than that. She tore a hole in our universe gateway to another dimension, a dimension of pure chaos, pure evil. When she crossed over, she was just a ship, but when she came back, she was
1: alive.
0: So a little bit of backstory, first of all, it was directed by
1: Paul Anderson, aka Paul W.S. Anderson. A.K.A. Someone who people think is a really rubbish director. Nay, hey, now. Oh. I'm not saying I do. Or you. <laughs> or the Hellraiser podcast. He's just got a bit of a bad rep, hasn't he? He has a
0: little bit, yeah. Um, he had just made Mortal Kombat, which did really well. And was phenomenal. I think it's alright. I saw it again fairly recently. It's not bad. Yeah. It's quite good fun. It's better than Street Fighter. Yeah, well. Fucking hell. Kicking the face is better than Street Fighter. <laughs> so, he made movie. Mortal Kombat and it went down really well. And so he was given a big budget to make a film. Mm. He was offered X-Men and turned it down. Ah. Uh. <laughs> Apparently he was also offered Alien Resurrection and turned that one down as well. Probably good. Both to make this film. Right. He was sent the script which was described as The Shining in Space. Yes. And he thought, ah, oh, that sounds good. He's a big fan of The Shining, and how he speaks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, it is how he speaks. Great. I just watched the commentary. It was just an hour and a half of, <laughs> of uh, space. Very good. Um, now, the original script was very different. Apparently, mm. it was written by a guy called Philip Eisner, and it revolved around aliens. They this ship had gone to another dimension where there were aliens, tentacular aliens who were controlling things. Right. And uh, they were from this planet or dimension that the Event Horizon ship was taken to. So far, so not very interesting. So, Paul Anderson decided he didn't really want to do aliens. No. So he wanted to do a ghost story, like a haunted house story set on a haunted spaceship. Oh, my God. And he like wanted... ghost ship? Exactly. But in space? Like, just like ghost ship. Wow. With slightly better CGI. God. Oh. So he decided to go much more for The Shining in space. So he got Andrew Kevin Walker, who wrote Seven, which is an absolutely amazing film, Mm. incredible film, to do an uncredited rewrite of Event Horizon. Hey, I know. (laughs) And it was here that all the religious iconography got added. The ship went to hell and back again. And then when they were designing the film, there's a lot of more religious stuff in it as well. For example, the ship itself, the Event Horizon ship is in the shape of a cross, a crucifix, And also it's based on the design of Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris. Mm. They took some photos of Notre Dame Cathedral, they scanned them into a computer, made them all metal-y and made a ship out of it. Wow. (laughs) Apparently the long, thin corridor is like the nave of the cathedral and the two sort of wings, the engines, they are like the towers
1: on their sides. That's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting because the corridor plays such an important plot role. Yeah, yeah. What did that? Were they looking for something that had a big, long, thin bit? or?
0: I guess it would have been in the script originally, but it maybe didn't need to be as long mm, as it is. I see. It makes them more the design of it and how it looks inside. Mm. There's some stained glass windows as well in the, in the ship. Sorry, just jumping back slightly. One reason Paul Anderson wanted to make this film was he didn't want to do another PG-13 film, which X-Men would have been, after right. Mortal Kombat. He right. wanted to do a hard R-rated movie.
1: I'm quite glad he didn't do X-Men, really. Yeah? Yep. Right. Just for my own reasons. Okay. (laughs) X-Men is quite good, isn't it? (laughs) X-Men is quite a good film. Yeah. But so is Event Horizon. Well, let's get on to that now, because I've got to say, uh, Paul Anderson, if you're listening to this, I think this is a brilliant film. Me too. I think it's really, really good. I really like it.
0: It's excellent. Hmm. So let's just talk about this film. <laughs> None of his other films. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like some of his other films, but we'll get to those uh, maybe on another podcast. Yeah. Probably not. Mm. But yeah, this film is really good, and I'd forgotten how good it was until I rewatched it recently for the podcast. Actually, mm-hmm. um, I got the Blu-ray, and the Blu-ray looks beautiful. Oh yeah, really, it looks really nice, really good. So well done, Blu-ray people over in Blu-ray land. Mm. You did a good job there. Great transfer. Lovely transfer. Mm. So those who haven't watched it, shame on you. The Event Horizon ship is a ship that was going off to explore the outer reaches of the solar system. Mm. And it went over to Neptune and then disappeared forever. Disappeared. And now, nowadays, modern day. 2047. We're going off on a rescue ship to find it and see if anyone anyone survived.
1: Yeah. So let's discuss the film now. Mm -hmm. Go through it and, and talk about, because this is the Hellraiser podcast, talk about... How it could connect to Hellraiser as well. Yeah, that's fine. There are some Hellraiser ties to start with. Wow. Tell us about those ties. I
0: will. First of all, it's a British film. Uh The director and the producer are English, Mm -hmm. and it was filmed completely in London. Mm -hmm. It was filmed in Pinewood Studios, where Hellraiser 2 was filmed. Aye, aye. So, there you go. And also, Bob Keane, who worked on Hellraiser and Hellraiser 2, and I believe Hellraiser 3. He was brought in to work on the prosthetics, the special effects of Event Horizon as well. So there's another tie to Hellraiser. Okay. And the, the idea as well, the ship that there was something on it, we find it as the gravity drive, that was supposed to create a black hole in space and make for space travel to anywhere in the universe. But unfortunately, open a gateway to hell, just like the puzzle box does.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the for, with this film, that's the really interesting thing about it. I think uh, it's a film science fiction film about creating instantaneous space travel, and they end up going into a different dimension mm. where it's basically hell. Yeah. Now um, they
0: they do mention hell a couple of times, but then they get round the idea of saying it's not maybe not your you know traditional Judeo Christian hell by saying it's much worse or it's a dimension where chaos and evil reign.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, do, I don't think in the film that they're saying. It is, you know, hell, and the and the devil's there. Yeah, but it <laughs> no, is it it's... is uh, the closest thing that we uh, would think of as hell. Yeah, if suffering. you went there, it would just be eternal suffering and horror. And but linking to Hellraiser
0: People... again, in the little clip you see, the video clip they've been sent from the crew that have been killed, mm. they're sort of having sex as well as ripping the... each other apart. Yeah, there's... and it is very much this sadomasochistic pleasure pain thing going on it looks like
1: yeah the, the, the people are sort of being torn apart and the, the, the captain's got his eyes in his hands and he's mm-hmm. kind of got a smile on his face yeah and he's sort of saying save yourself from hell so yeah it is absolutely I mean and they that did is a, very helpful. they filmed a
0: lot more of this orgiastic torture stuff than, than was actually in the final film right in the first version the producers looked at it and said you can't the studio said you can't show that <laughs> take it away <laughs> oh dear the first version was over two hours long, apparently. Wow! The finished version is about one hour thirty-five minutes, something like that. Mm-hmm. So there's that that thought of the ship going to hell. Maybe it's the same hell as in the Hellraiser films. Who knows? It could be. And at the end of it, Sam Neil's character, Doctor Weir, he becomes very much reminiscent of
1: a Cenobite. Becomes yes, Cenobitic. Yes, he's uh, more covered in scars, and yeah. he's kind of super strong. Mm. He, he's, he hasn't got any hair. No, exactly. He, he's a very, <laughs> um, very much influenced by Cenobites, I think.
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: So the basic story is they go on this rescue mission to find the ship, and yeah, it's we're basically... All, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Lewis
0: and Clark ship. We're with them their crew, mm-hmm. really, for the whole thing.
1: They're supposed to be the best people at rescuing people you know, in ships on disasters in space. And they've taken Doctor Weir along, who has mm-hmm. designed the ship. He created this gravity drive, yeah, uh, for instantaneous ship travel. Uh, and, and they don't know why they're going there until they get to Neptune. That's interesting. It is interesting. It's funny. I mean, there's some things in this film that are very, they're very generic, aren't they? They're very kind of, yeah. they've been done before, mm-hmm. um, and they're not done badly at all. Uh, but it is very much this kind of thing of in the future, no one seems to be able to just stop for five minutes and have a chat. Like they don't they don't know why he's on the ship. They don't know what they're doing there. And you you could literally sort it out within a two minute conversation. Yeah. But they can't have that conversation. They have to get really angry. That he's there mm. and taking them somewhere. Yeah, there's a lot of that going Which on. Just funny. they're like, I don't like you. You're a stranger, and you're like, what, so what are you doing here? And he's like, well, I'll tell you. And you're like, well, you could have told him ages ago. Yeah, he tried to. Well, I got
0: the feeling that uh, no, when he was trying to talk to him before they got put into stasis, I thought that was just he was trying to do some kind of a pleasantry. Oh, so nice to be here, sort mm. of thing. I get the feeling that he wasn't going to tell them what they were there for until they were in Neptune space all along. Yes, otherwise they were going to say, well, I'm not going. Yeah. yeah, fuck that. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's yeah. that's complete nonsense. Yeah. So he waits till they're there and then he tells them why they're there and they don't believe him to start with because it's a, you know, fabled ship that disappeared and no one thinks they'll ever see it again.
1: Well, there was a cover-up, wasn't it? He said it he said it blew up. Yes, that's true. There's a cover-up and yeah. and it because it's no one
0: true. knew, the public didn't know about the gravity drive. They thought yes. it was just off to explore other worlds and not to try and create wormholes in space and time
1: yeah so there was a cover-up so none of the guys believe um that it's here but it is mm-hmm. they find it and then essentially the film the way that i see it is it is like a haunted house film yeah in space yeah which is great yeah it's it really good because I mean, you
0: can't get away from it
1: n- where are no. they gonna go they can't you know leave the house it's fantastic it's a really good claustrophobic mm. uh sort of setup and they've really gone to town with some clever ideas They've even got because it's near the ship is near Neptune Mm. they've even got thunder and lightning. Yeah. Because the atmosphere of the planet is Mm -hmm. got thunder and lightning. Yeah. Event
0: horizon just happens to be in
1: Neptune's atmosphere. Oh, just like that's (laughs) so cool that they've still got windows with thunder and lightning coming in in a classic haunted house style in space. It is very good.
0: Now it is quite reminiscent of Alien in a lot of ways. It including is the-, the design of it, which I really like, they've got this old, grubby, used future look, which I think is brilliant. I much prefer that to you know nice, clean, shiny things.
1: Yes, absolutely. And um, they re- the dialogue at the beginning is very much kind of like here's the crew, here's yeah. their personalities, mm-hmm. and it's very much sort of ripping off or homaging alien But I think you panamians. have to, though. You have to
0: get to know everyone. And a crew, a ship that big would need a crew that big.
1: Oh, no, no. no, no so there's no other way of getting around it, It's really. not that. It's not, the, it's not the introduction of the characters. It's the way that they talk to each other. They're right, very okay. much like, okay, yeah, I'm the pilot. Yeah, yeah, it's five by five. You know, and the yeah. other guy's like, yeah, I'm the heartbreaker. I'm the rescue guy. and yeah. You know, yeah. It's very much in that style of quick and dirty. Mm. We've all worked together and we're quite cocky. Yeah, which which is something that I when I first watched it I quite liked. I liked their characters. Uh, I think they're a good, interesting crew. This time I watched it, I noticed that I kind of thought they were a bit too cocky. Do you know what I mean? They were a bit. They are quite cocky, aren't they? And uh, and but I really liked it because I thought, do you know what? You guys think you're the best at Mm. this, and you're really, you know, you're kind of showing this bravado to this Doctor Weir. Which doesn't quite ring true to me. You know, you're all kind of like, yeah, I'm the pilot, yeah, whatever, and all this, and it doesn't quite. You, 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 you all seem a little bit on edge, and they do mm, unravel they throughout the film.
0: And as soon as it all goes wrong, and they are stuck there, they can't the the gravity drive. You know, that a pulse comes out of it and wrecks the Lewis and Clark ship, and they've got hours and hours to before it can take off again. They are all stuck there and it gets much more claustrophobic and they start picking fights with each other, and
1: especially with the Doctor. They kind of unravel very, very easily. And it's quite realistically done, I think. Yeah, it's good. It's it's believable. It's good. So it it begins very much with this kind of bravado from the crew that uh, I think is the bravado of a group of people who've been doing a job for a bit too long Yeah, and have got a bit kind of blasé about it. Mm -hmm. And they certainly could never have imagined what they find on this ship. No, not
0: at all. And I really like Lawrence Fishburne's character, Miller, because when you first meet him, you think he's a bit of a tool. He's a bit of a no, you know, no nonsense. He's being a bit of a prick to everyone. But it's because he's really not happy, not impressed with being taken out on short notice all the way to Neptune. And he's thinking about his crew the whole time.
1: Yeah, he comes across as a bit of a a hard man at the beginning, doesn't he? But then you can see he just cares a lot. I think most of the characters have got a a really good caring streak about them. You know, they 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 seem like real people who look look, want to look after each other. Because
0: in a lot of these films, you always got a character who is a complete prick, and you just think, why would they even be there? Like for example, Prometheus recently. Mm. There's a character in Prometheus who is a complete dick. Yeah, you wouldn't. He wouldn't be there. No, on a ship. No. Whereas this one, they are all, you know, they get on with each other and they're all decent human beings, even if they can be a bit
1: rough around the edges. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They've all got their little quirks, but it's not overdone. No, I don't think. I mean, and and they don't really hammer any of them home. Like the medical officer is a bit stuck up or he's a bit kind of standoffish. Mm. He's a bit too into his job, but it's they just make a couple of references to it in the film and then they let it go and then they let it just happen. Yeah. You know, there's nothing it's not like he's constantly going, I don't think we should do that, Captain, and everyone's no, like, Oh, No, Because God. then then you've got the scene with him and
0: and Miller, mm, where he's are talking about, you know, have you ever seen fire in zero gravity? Mm. And they're both completely human and they're talking to each other as as equals. Yeah. And it's beautiful scene.
1: Yeah, it's very good. So you've got this crew, which is an interesting setup, um as we say, quite quite cliched, but also done very well. Uh and then you've got Doctor Weir, which is an interesting idea. That he's basically, as the film goes on, you find that he is quite a damaged person. Yeah, uh, he's because... haunted by
0: the death of his wife, who yes. he killed herself because well, he, because he wasn't there. They're sort of implying,
1: yeah, and well, when he says it, yeah, he says, "I'm sorry, my work got in the way." <laughs> he's remembering, <laughs> and, her and that's good. Jumping on herself. a bit
0: when he when he's forced to relive her suicide mm. next to her, but not be able to do anything. Yes. Yeah. Which we'll get, we'll get there in a minute, but that's really harrowing, that moment. So he, he very much is obs- obsessed with this, with the event horizon. He yeah. created it, yeah. he built it,
1: he thinks it's fantastic.
0: As you would be if you thought that it had blown up, and then seven years later it's
1: found again. Mm. Um, and his life's just been nothing like at the beginning you see him he's got all these pictures of his dead wife mm. uh, he's obviously just completely obsessed with her memory yeah and feels very bad because he feels like it was his fault because she killed herself and he says you know I wasn't there for you I'm sorry my work got in the way yeah Um. and his character as it goes on he kind of becomes entranced by the ship the ship I mean it's one of those films where the ship can kind of get into your mind make you hallucinate etc yeah. And he kind of gets sucked in by it, doesn't he? He's mm-hmm. he's sort of uh, an agent of the ship. By almost. the end of it, yeah. By the end of it, well, by the end of it, certainly. But uh, he sort of likes the ship more than the other guys. They just well, want to get does, off it, yeah. It? And there's,
0: I mean, even before he gets sucked in by the ship, with the the section with his wife reliving her death, there's the moment where he says. I am home, Mm. and disappears into the shadows. Absolutely. So he's yeah, he's very much taken by the ship. I mean, I think there's a
1: there's a thing there's a bit at the beginning when they first start to hallucinate things, or or see these visions where the guys he's seen it. Doctor Weir has seen his wife, yeah, and she says, "Be with me, stay with me." Mm -hmm. The other guys see, you know, the um, lady sees her dead, her son, son. not dead, yeah, her son. and uh, Miller sees the burning man. Miller sees the burning man from his past. So they've all seen things, but Weir actually says, You guys are hallucinating. This is to do with shock. Yeah. And that for me at that point is him going, I there's something I quite like about the visions that I'm seeing. I'm seeing mm. my wife. She wants to be with me. Do you know what I mean? So at that point the other guys have seen something horrific that they which they don't want any part of. Yeah. Whereas he's kind of ...sucked into this vision of his wife and wants it to be real. Yeah, absolutely. Even though she's got no eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well... So that's the part where I think he begins to sort of want to help the ship. Mm. So there's lots of great ideas. They get on the ship having a look around and they say that they find life readings everywhere... They do, yeah. Well, they don't really go into that,
0: but he's he's getting his some really weird readings in here.
1: Mm. Well, the woman when they do the scan of the ship, she says there's, it looks like there's life readings all over the ship. Yeah, and, and but I, that doesn't make any sense. No.
0: And in the the gravity drive room, that's where the guy says there's some really weird readings, and
1: then it opens
0: and turns into a stargate. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so of course he puts his
1: hand in it. Of course you would. So this is this is a great set.
0: The gravity oh, it's amazing! Drive yeah, it's really fantastic. The whole,
1: the whole design of the whole film is brilliant. Yeah, I, I mean, I really like. Basically, <laughs> they've made it look like super creepy, so that everything's got spikes, yeah, and points and stuff like that. And in a way, it's ridiculous, but in another way, but they
0: must no because you you get around that
1: you can argue that despite obviously they're there to do something well no absolutely that, that's what I mean like if you look at it in one way it's yeah, ridiculous it's... but in another way I thought of um, stealth bombers when I saw it because mm-hmm. they have those points and stuff like that and that's yeah. actually a part of what they do of, of the technology of the mm-hmm. ship And and so that's what I thought it was yeah you know On the one hand, it's, we're going to make a door that looks like a scary medieval door with With, spikes on it. On the other hand, (laughs) it's because of this uh, gravity drive. We need it to be like that. Mm -hmm. Which is fine. And there are
0: giant spikes all around the room that you just think someone's going to get impaled on,
1: but they never do, which is good. Yes. Um, So the gravity drive itself is this big ball with spinning discs around it, Mm -hmm. which looks amazing. Yeah. Um. And there's a great atmosphere when they're sort of uh, going around the ship because there's all this. Um, it's zero gravity. Yeah. So there's all this water everywhere. Mm. Hmm. Uh, floating around, which is is that coolant? Coolant. Do they yeah, say that. Coolant, yeah. Yeah. Floating through the air. Yeah. So I mean, it and that's really cool. <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey.
1: It looks good. I think it looks good. It is the only slightly
0: dodgy CGI is at the beginning when they first go into the ship. There's some. The other stuff floating around looks a little...
1: Yeah, there's like a bottle of water and a watch and yeah. stuff. There's a book that flies past with Paul Anderson's face on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, yeah, that looks a bit dated. Uh, but I remember when I first watched this film, it looked really cool. So yeah. what can you do?
0: Yeah, well, this was back in 97, it was still quite impressive.
1: Mm. Well, the, uh, the special effects are impressive, aren't they? They're the still good still. now. I mean, most of them are model shots, and all of
0: those still look amazing. They're yes. really good. But even the CGI is still good. Yes.
1: So, um, Most of it. It looks good. So they're exploring this um, derelict haunted house, basically, <laughs> with thunder mm-hmm. and lightning. And this is when you get your your Hellraiser type stuff with sort of mutilated corpses. Yeah. Uh, well, all the
0: all the flashes they get of hell, mm-hmm. of wherever this dimension is, are all really horrible. Yeah, I mean, there's even barbed wire and yeah, stuff like that. Eyes, in yeah, in people's eyes and their mouths. Mm-hmm. And this is very reminiscent of sort of Cenobites and, you know, like Barbie or mm-hmm. Bound, that sort of thing. Yeah. There's even someone with a big
1: spike in there. <laughs> like Spike. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think really the to to link it to Hellraiser, in all seriousness, the central idea of the film being that Dr. Weir it, has created yeah. something that is a portal between worlds. Mm-hmm. And he's obsessed with it yeah and what he wants isn 't what what anyone else wants, and when you get to this other world it's it 's a place you can 't even imagine no you know? and you wish you hadn't gone there you wish you hadn't <laughs> gone there, and that 's very hellraiser obviously yeah absolutely uh, The gravity drive is the puzzle box mm. basically, and Dr. Weir wants everybody to be uh, sucked into it it's
0: it 's not so much reminiscent of the movies where it 's always the box, but if you go to the, the comics. They have other things that aren 't the puzzle box that people have created that just happen to open the portal to hell yeah it's got that definitely got that feeling to it,
1: yeah, yeah, which is great it's really interesting, and I think it really elevates this film from your standard mm. sci fi uh into something a lot more interesting uh for me, you know, if it had been a different dimension with aliens, yeah, yeah it's not it's okay, I guess, but the fact that they're saying. You're going to go to hell, and it's much worse than you can possibly yeah. imagine. And then you see <laughs> flashes of people with barbed wire in their eyes and stuff like that. Wow, that's pulling, really... pulling their own insides out through their mouth. Yeah,
0: I mean that's <laughs> really good, isn't it? Yeah, it's amazing. That's maggots
1: everywhere. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> How does such a universe operate? How does such a dimension operate? do, well, people, do people still go to work? Or well, someone's got to be doing the stuff to them. Do they just roll around on the floor all day ah. having sex
0: and having their insides pulled out? I guess so. Wow, that's what Blu-rays for. We can freeze frame and <laughs> look at it all closely. I
1: tell you what, I remember watching this on video, you know, mm. before, and the flashes of, of the horrible stuff. Yeah, you can really see it now on Blu-ray you can really see what the hell's going on and I'm like oh my god because you couldn't really see what the (laughs) hell was happening (laughs) originally
0: yeah there are some moments where Blu-ray cleans things up a bit too much a bit too well we'll tear your ears apart
1: so we like this film we do like the film very much yeah um Not a lot of other people seem to though Did they No If you look on Rotten Tomatoes It's got
0: 23% Yeah Which which is is crazy crazy. And it didn't do very well When it came out No In terms of money No It didn't make back It's budget really Which is a huge shame
1: Yeah I mean I think It's got a bit of a cult Following now I think
0: I think Yeah I think so I mean I've always liked it So I don't really know (laughs) But I think it was a bit Too much for some Audience members It was a bit too gory bit Too graphic For a lot of people It didn't do very well in its early test screenings and then the studio made them make changes to it. And they say, the director and the producer both say in the commentary that they wish they had more time to work on it because they don't really think it's quite finished yet. They would have loved to have done more to it before they released it. Mm. And he wishes he hadn't taken out so much of the gore. He left some of it in, but that would have alienated even more people probably. But the fact is there was a bit of studio interference and it was a, the post-production schedule was very brief and it was quite rushed at the end,
1: which you wouldn't really know looking at it because it looks great. It looks amazing. It looks absolutely fantastic. I mean, I think it's really well directed. The shots are great. Mm. They're very interesting. The uh, acting is all first class. Excellent. Uh, it's a good script. It's, you know, as I say, it's, it's, it's quite cliche, but uh, it has a lot of elements yeah. that raise it above that. Yeah. And it's, it's been made with care this yeah. film so when it first starts the shots you can see that they really care about making a good film
0: Well there's that amazing shot right at the beginning that starts on Dr Weir and then pans out when he's on the daylight the space station mm. and it just pans out and out and out and keeps going and keeps going and that's how I first heard about the film before it came out I remember reading about it in Empire magazine <laughs> and reading about this one specific shot that went on and on and on and I I couldn't see it at the cinema, I was too young when it came out. Right. Because it was an R rated film in the stage, which meant I could have seen it over there if I'd been had an adult go with me, but because it was an eighteen over here, I wasn't quite old enough yet. No. I could have probably snuck in. I was only I think I was sixteen. But I could have snuck in. But you uh, can't advocate that kind of behaviour. Exactly. So I waited <laughs> till it was on video and then pretended I was eighteen then. <laughs> but no, I remember really wanting to see it. Mm. And um, be- mainly because of that one shot, <laughs> hmm. and I heard it was The Shining in space, and I liked The Shining. Yeah, and so I didn't see it until it was on video.
1: So I wonder why people didn't get on board with it because I don't think it's an especially gory film myself. But um, well, it is quite horrible. But it's, it's not it's quite not Full of gore. It's not like constantly. People's no, but it's heads got some exploding. stuff
0: that is. Too much for a lot of mainstream audiences. You forget if you who and we watch, are. If you and We're a... weirdos who like watching this shit all day long.
1: Yeah, but uh, I just think, what the hell do people want? If you go and watch a horror film, and then you're like, oh, it's too
0: horrible. Well, it depends, <laughs> because if you look at the trailer, the trailer makes it look like an action sci-fi film. Yeah, necessi- I mean, it says, you know, God help us, I'm really scared, that sort of thing. But it <laughs> it could be... God help us! I'm really scared. But people will be, <laughs> yeah. but, but people will be thinking about you know aliens, which isn't terribly gory. Well, the tagline it's like an action film. Infinite space, infinite terror. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. That one says that it's scary.
1: They might as well have called it, shit, scary space, in space <laughs> and lots of gore. <laughs> I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a lot of gore in this. But I think what happens in it is very impactful. You know, it's yeah. It, w- w- when the gore happens, it's brief, and it's like, oh, oh, bloody hell! It is actually exactly. quite scary.
0: Bloody hell! Yeah,
1: it is <laughs> literally bloody hell, and it is scary. It is scary. That's the other thing. It is still
0: quite a scary film. There are a couple of cheap jump scares, yeah, but that's all right. And then there are some really horrible bits.
1: There's, it's another example of that kind of um, horror film where the jump scares don't really work on TV in your TV at home, no. but in, uh, in the cinema, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Good stuff.
0: So let's talk about Hellraiser then. <laughs> because if this was a Hellraiser film, mm-hmm. let's say that the Gravity Drive opened the portal to hell, to the Hellraiser hell. Right. Now, there are two, I've come up with two different theories as to how it could work. One of them is the film plays out as you see it. Dr. Weir goes to the ship. He feels something strange on board. Mm. He thinks... There's something going on. He Maybe his voice is talking to him. His wife's there saying, come with me. He thinks, that's a good idea. So then he says, you know, I'm home already. Then when he goes down into the Gravity Drive core room, he opens the portal to hell and he gets sucked down there and then he becomes a Cenobite. Right, yeah. The up, Which is pretty much what you see in the film. That's
1: kind of, yeah, what happens.
0: The other version, because I do think he goes a bit weird a bit too quickly before he goes into the Gravity Drive room. My other theory is that went before the Event Horizon ship even left Earth, he tried the gravity drive on Earth and went to Hell and became a Cenobite. And from then on, he's a Cenobite in human form. And he sends off the ship to get all the other people into Hell as well. Uh And so he already knows what's going on from the very beginning. And the audience don't know that because they don't need to, because it's a, a twist for them. But when they get to the ship, it becomes clear that he knows all along what's happened and he's there as a Cenobite and becomes his full-fledged glory at the end. (laughs) Just something I've been thinking about.
1: (laughs) What do you think? I think... Well, I think they're both, yeah, valid. I think I like the first one better because Mm -hmm. I like him... I like him getting there, not knowing what's going on and then kind of going, yeah, I want a bit of this. Yeah, rather than him no, already wanting yeah. a bit of it before he even started. Yeah, um, but they certainly would both work. I think for me, you know, you you saying he goes a bit too mad too quickly. Well, it's I, all that you know. I'm already home. That sort of thing. Uh, but I, I I think that that is purely motivated by the fact that when the film begins, I think he's on the verge of a psychotic break. Yeah and I think he's being driven literally mad by the memories of his wife Mm -hmm. and because the ship taps into that memory and gives him a chance to see her again and say you can be here with me again I think that that is the whole motivation for him yeah and he's so obsessed
0: with his wife that he will do anything to it yeah. Be with
1: her again. He's got like hundreds of pictures of her at the <laughs> beginning and he just yeah. sits in this bare room and he's dreaming about <laughs> her and he looks haggard yeah. and he can't even have a conversation with people properly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, you're right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll accept that then. All right. Well, they're all, you know, they're all interesting just in mad theories. Just <laughs> aren't they? So it could be a lost Hellraiser film. He talks about lots of different influences on the on the commentary things like 2001 the shining the original the haunting alien he doesn't mention hellraiser though (laughs) at all which is interesting
1: that is very interesting because it is it it really is you know Mm. very similar to hellraiser in terms of the just the idea yeah not really in a lot of ways but just the, the basic idea of going to hell and kind of the pain and pleasure. And the thing.
0: movement of the gravity drive is a little reminiscent of moving the box around. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Clicking it into place. Absolutely. That sort of feeling. Yeah. Solving a puzzle. Yeah.
1: And in, you know, if you were to say the Hellraiser films were part of this universe, yeah. then the puzzle box is like a miniature little gravity, gravity drive, drive. Yeah, and it's you got a little tiny it. black hole in it. yeah, <laughs> and, you, and you go into this universe, whatever yeah. it is. The Cenobites that we know and love, like Pinhead and all that, they don't have to be, you know on an earthly hell it could be a different dimension well I think it is You know, I think
0: it is I think that's clear from the Hellraiser films I think it is another dimension yeah. one that crosses over into our world when they want to come over
1: and I mean the real interesting thing is, is, is Bloodline isn't it you know? yeah I mean this film I feel like if it you do watch this film and
0: think oh, the last third of Bloodline should have looked like this Yeah,
1: yeah if Bloodline <laughs> could have approached this kind of level I think it could have been an an excellent film and I think it could this film really shows you how that idea of you know hellraiser in space could mm. have worked yeah
0: if it'd been done well. properly yeah
1: could have been really good <sighs> oh. <laughs> but they you know they as much as I mocked uh, Mr Anderson apologies for that at the beginning they he had some really good ideas on this film and yeah, he was very committed good. to making it an interesting film in terms of the way the sets looked, in terms of the way it was shot. Well,
0: if you watch the making of, or listen to the commentary, which I did this morning and you haven't yet, but you will, I think. Mm. They, uh, he goes into a lot of detail and, you know, they went into a lot of detail making it. There's a lot of thought went in, a lot of love went into this film. There's some really good ideas and they managed to pull them all off, I think, really well.
1: Yeah, and I think it, uh, it really shows, it comes across... I mean, the sets are fantastic. Yeah. And they weren't easy to film in, obviously, because I watched no. a little bit of the making of it. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that making making it so that it was really awkward to film everything. But so that... Because it looks good. So that good. it looks good is... That's what you want, that's isn't dedication. it, from film? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then you just hire really
0: good people who film things. You <laughs> hire really good cameramen who can work out how to do it. Yeah.
1: I mean, this film, you know, this looks like a, a, the interior of a spaceship, whereas yeah. Bloodline looks like a, a dark... Room in a set. Mm. And there's nothing like a spaceship. <laughs> <laughs>
0: hmm. We'll be doing our Bloodline commentary soon, won't we? Yeah, that's, that's going to be exciting, one. isn't
1: it? <laughs> are you going to enjoy that. Uh,
0: yep. Uh, I think Leading we're... up to the Revelations Sambuka podcast. Oh yeah, it's going to be great. So Lawrence Fishburne is brilliant in this film.
1: He is. he are really great. Is they're all great
0: yeah he's got such a presence though isn't
1: he they've all he has he he's really um you can see why he was his character in the matrix in this film you know yeah really? like he's got yeah, that yeah. really great leadership quality mm-hmm. about him uh they all if you watch this film carefully have put a lot of thought into their characters yeah um sean pert we i noticed today mm-hmm. never seen it before is the pilot when um they sort of say let's get underway and he's just sitting in the corner. He's at the pilot's controls, obviously. He takes out like a little St. Christopher, kisses it, and does a little sign of the cross. Ah, um, I didn't notice that at all. Yeah, I just noticed it today. Um, Jason Isaac's character, he yep. was saying he has this whole backstory. You see a scar on his chest.
0: Yeah, he's got a, a backstory where he, when he was younger, he had a major operation on his chest, I think with his heart maybe. And he's terrified of you know, having his chest opened up again.
1: Yeah. Um, As many people are. <laughs> it's a common terror.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that's why he, he dies in the way he dies in the mm. film.
1: I mean, I think they all, they've all they all got little moments mm. here and there. And of, there's a of, slight... Reality. Yeah.
0: There's an inkling of a past relationship between Miller and Jolie Richardson's character. Uh-huh. Which I like. Yeah. yeah. Which is very subtle.
1: Yeah. Uh, we were discussing it earlier. The, the character of Cooper, he's the kind of cocky kind of like yeah, here, yeah Yeah. type guy but there's a real niceness to his character that I think there's a real care in the scene where he offers we're coffee uh, I think you can see there that he really genuinely cares about people and that's why he's the rescue technician and he's not just no he's not
0: just a big brash idiot because when he's out of line and he's told he's out of line he immediately backs down and says yeah sorry Mm, go on, Mm. all yours yep he's really good because that those sort of characters that are just there for comic effect usually sometimes get on my nerves a little bit. Yes, but I think he's, not only is he actually quite funny in it, in mm-hmm. places, but he's not annoying. Yeah. I think he's really good. Uh, you've also
1: got the character of Peters. Um, the who, lady who's got the son. The lady who's got the son, yeah. who I think is just a, a very believable portrait of someone who's doing a job that she doesn't want to do because yeah. uh, she's got issues with her son being I sick. I know, it's straight away
0: because because Lawrence Fishburne, Miller, character names. Miller comes up to her and says, you know, look, I tried to get someone else to yeah. do this instead, but I couldn't. I'm really sorry. Yeah. Just really, you know, quiet. No one else can hear him. She's like, and she says, um, I
1: sorted it, don't worry. He can take him. Yeah, so my ex. A, yeah, so, yeah. you know, you've got straight away this broken relationship. Her son is sick. You see on a video uh, yeah. that he's ill. So there's a huge, you know, backstory there for her character. And she plays it very straight in this film as just someone getting on with their job but they are extremely worried about their son and dedicated mm-hmm. to them. And she's got a great
0: relationship with um with Justin, the young guy on yes. the ship who, you know, referred to as baby bear and she's Mama Bear. Yeah. And the scene when he's gonna blow
1: himself out of the airlock is just <sighs> It's just horrible. It is. I mean, it's that's fantastic. And that, that's... It's great writing, isn't it? You know, to have him just be like, I'm going to kill myself. And then suddenly he's like, oh, where am I? Just when What's it's too late. On? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that is... That's Open a the great door. action scene as well with yeah. Lawrence Fishburne's character kind of shooting along really fast mm-hmm. <laughs> out on the outside of the spaceship. Yeah. Um, it's really good. Really good. So a very believable group of people. Yeah. Uh, with some good dialogue.
0: And, of course, the ending where... Miller sacrifices himself to go to hell or this ridiculous, horrible place so
1: he can save the remaining two
0: members of the crew. It's yeah. just
1: amazing. That is fantastic, you know, for his character. He's mm. just like, whoa, willingly sends himself to hell yeah. to save his crew.
0: Well, I mean, it's either he goes to hell or they all go to hell. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. But I suppose he has to... if he could have blown up the ship completely, he might have chosen to do that instead.
1: Well maybe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but the actual sci fi stuff in it is interesting as well because a lot of cause I read a lot of sci fi and I watch a lot of sci fi things and when people talk about, you know, warp drives or ways of getting to another dimension and sort of realistic writers, mm-hmm. they often talk about, you know, utilising the a black hole's energy mm-hmm. sort of thing. So it does all come from a real place. It's not silly, stupid sci fi yeah, absolutely. Well. I
1: mean, I've read a lot of stuff about it mm. as well. And uh, the de- the little demonstration that Weir does of folding <laughs> space. Yeah. Is actually a really great demonstration of the concept yeah. of, you it know, the distance between two points. Everyone understand yeah. what's going on. It's yeah. a very good way of, it's a really good way of getting an, anybody who has no idea about space or anything like no. that into this theory. Yeah. Very easily, and visually. Yeah. They know
0: that this was supposed to take you from one place to another instantaneously. mm mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that other place wasn't very nice. <laughs> was, was hell was full of maggots, <laughs> and people with spikes in them. Yeah, that's great. Also though, having isn't it? sex though. So. Yeah, swinging around. What's it. going on
1: there? Just that gets my imagination so fired up. In you know, in a similar way to Hellraiser. It's and like, in that way, going on there? maybe it's a good thing that uh, a lot of that
0: footage was cut. I think it is because he, he said there was a lot more they filmed. But if they had shown a lot more that may have given away too much. Whereas the little snippets you see, yeah. you think, what the
1: hell was going on there? I really think it is a good thing because mm. I, you would just go like, oh, okay, I guess it's like that. And you'd sort of see it's a room they're in. Yeah. You know, and they're sort of having sex and they're sort of doing this. No, you need to not be really sure what you saw. Just go, yeah. but like, where? What Magus. did I see oh, someone in the oh, background having sex? Yeah, murder. Sort of yeah, you know, that's what you want. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And there's a lot of eye stuff in the film as well eyes being pulled out and you know Dr Weir pulls his eyes out and then almost sews them shut again yes which
1: is a bit like you know Butterball's eyes or... <laughs> the thing of him saying I've got such wonderful things to show you and you're yeah. like well oh, I've got such sights to show him yeah you? exactly
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so to sum up then we both really really like Event Horizon yep mm-hmm. it's a really good piece of sci-fi horror of which there's not enough frankly well indeed those are my two favourite genres and they should combine them together more often
1: <laughs> yeah um, it's a good, it's a great film uh, if you like Hellraiser you know you can watch it with a little bit of an eye to a yeah, Hellraiser if you like thing. Hellraiser and you like
0: science fiction and you haven't seen this film you will like it yeah I think absolutely that's fair, fair to say
1: if you haven't seen this film then we've ruined it now completely sorry about that <laughs>
0: Hey, there's a couple of deaths we didn't mention. So watch it and who knows? <laughs> who knows what's going to happen at the we end? We said that two other crew members survive. We're not saying which ones. <laughs> <laughs> so I believe that wraps up our conversation about Event Horizon. Do you have mm-hmm. anything else to say, Phil? Uh, no, not a, not, not, not a sausage. Well, there we are then. If you have anything you want to say about Event Horizon, please do let us know. Send us an email, hellraiserpodcast at hotmail.co.uk or tweet us at HellraiserCast. Or come and join us on our Facebook page as well. And check out the website, hellraiserpodcast.com.
1: Yes, any reviews that you can put on um, iTunes oh, for yeah, that, us yeah, that would too. be really <laughs> appreciated. That. Any That'd reviews, really helpful. If you do listen to the podcast and you do enjoy it, if you could just take the time to put a review on there, it would be super helpful for yeah, us. it does
0: make a big difference. And do tell everyone about it as well. Share it with your friends. Yeah. <laughs> Marvellous. Now, our next podcast, we are going to talk about Hellraiser. You'll be very pleased to hear. We're going to talk about a book, a book of short stories came out a few years ago called Hellbound Hearts, Mm. which is a book of short stories all influenced by Hellraiser and the Hellraiser mythology, all written by different people. There's one by Nicholas Vince in there. There's the story Sister Selyse by Barbie Wilde. There's a story by Neil Gaiman. One by Peter Atkins, who wrote Hellraiser 2 and 3 there's a lot in there it's a really good book and I recommend it to all of you and we're going to talk through it next time
1: yeah it's great stuff hopefully
0: we'll make get it through the make it through the whole thing there's quite a lot in there we might have to split it over two podcasts but we'll see when we get there we'll see we'll see hey we'll see hey you never know it might be a four hour long podcast so in the meantime thank you all for listening we love you all and we'll see you next time yes thank you all thank you all thank you Phil thank you Peter no please thank you All right then goodbye everyone (laughs) goodbye
1: goodbye